This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. One more segment to go. Thanks again to Eric Eager for joining us. I thought that was a really good interview. He broke down a lot of you know, what we're going to be looking at in the draft. Make sure to check out um, his stuff over at Sumer Sports. He does a regular podcast with Thomas Dimitrov, former Falcons GM. It's really good. They do a really good job, so uh, make sure to check that out. Um, but yes, yeah, so final segment, we are going to get into a live mailbag. We've been letting the questions kind of pile up, and we're going to go through them. And so, Steve, first question. Hit me. Why don't you ever open the blinds? I feel like the sun would be kind of wash it out. There's your answer, because it would look awful. Yeah, anyway. right. You can close them. So I wanted to ask a question, but then I remembered that I didn't come up with a question. So I just asked the first thing I saw. Anyway, so we are going to get in, just get into questions right off the bat here. And we got Jerry G. Pore Jr. always here, always talking. We are three weeks away from the NFL draft. What do you think the 29th pick will be for the Saints, linebacker or defensive end or defensive tackle? If those are my three options, I'm going to eliminate linebacker right out front. Because first, I don't think that it's necessarily a position of great need for you, so you're not going to tilt. Second, the Saints just don't draft linebackers in the first round. They haven't taken a first-round linebacker since Stephon Anthony. And I don't think this class of linebackers has anyone that you're really like falling over for to pick. I just don't see it. Defensive end, maybe. I think defensive line in general is, is a potential place you're going to mine. I still think, I mean, I keep coming back to Osiris Torrance. If he's there, I'm taking him. But, you know, there are options. There are options. And I think you're either going interior line or defensive line. And uh, and one way or another, that's what you're going to see. But a guy like Mozzie Smith, a guy like Brian Brzee, these are all options on the table, I think. Yeah, I definitely like the notion of going D-line inside. At at tackle definitely would be my first preference. But I still think, you know, addressing that end – I could see that happening for this team. Obviously, they've done it in the past. We've seen, you know, a Davenport, a Peyton Turner, and maybe this time they could strike strike gold on a on a first rounder at that end position because it, it hasn't been good lately. I mean, obviously, though, you have the I guess you could say gold standard of defensive ends with Cam Jordan with that pick, but after that, hasn't been so fortunate for them. One of the positions I was kind of surprised Eric Eager brought up was wide receiver and that was still really high on his list and i do think it is a need but wasn't as such a a priority i guess in my mind i think this is going to be the year that you that you really start to gauge how much value the dennis allen regime is going to put on wide receiver in the draft last year it was no question you really needed to get a blue chip wide receiver in the building 
But under Sean Payton, you really didn't do that often. You, know, you drafted Brandon Cooks. You drafted Michael Thomas in the second round. But beyond that, you did not spend a lot of top-end assets at the wide receiver position. I think Dante Stallworth might have been the only other first-round pick since Mickey Loomis the in terms of a wide receiver pick. Oh, so, but I think just, oh, you're right. Robert Meacham. That's another one. Good catch. But I do think this is a year where you're going to see that. If they spend a second rounder or a third rounder, I, I'd be surprised if it's a first rounder. But Zay Flowers, I think, is is an intriguing guy. I've seen him mock there a few times. Maybe a Josh Downs. You know, maybe that, that is something that we just don't know is now that you have a defensive head coach, does he err toward the side of, okay, we're going to use our top end assets on the offense because I know that I can mine the defensive side of the ball and develop the defensive side of the ball, whereas Sean Payton in the past was more toward the opposite, where he knew he could find wide receivers. He was happy with the wide receiver room, even though it all he had was Traquan Smith, Marquez Calloway, and Deontay Hardy in there. Anyway. A thing eager too, I was, and maybe it is because of that defensive now mindset, high on his list too, corner. Yeah, I think corner's high on everybody's list every year. It's such right. an important position yeah. that it can never be low on your list, even if you feel like you have enough. Like even look at last year, the Saints, I felt like had a great wide cornerback room that had a ton of depth in four starting cornerbacks in half the season that they, they were ended up like throwing Chris Harris out there for meaningful snaps. So, right. And people know. were mad with the Alante Taylor pick. It was like, Oh, we're drafting this guy, a special teamer so high. Can you imagine if they didn't have him where they would have been from a defensive, from a defensive back standpoint, midway through the season, obviously yeah. trading CJ Gardner Johnson did limit that, but yeah, for sure. Um, I just, I'm, I'm curious though, with that corner pick, you know, is it going to be something that they'd be willing to address, I guess, early on if something did fall to them in round one? No, I don't think so. I think a guy like Corey Trice is interesting out of out of Purdue. He's 6'3", big dude. They also have apparently had C.J. Johnson in for a visit, which I did appreciate because it's just one name away from C.J. Gardner-Johnson. But they could right. give him the same jersey, too. Yeah, he could wear 22, I don't think. No, Mark. well, Mark Inger's not on the roster anymore, so he could wear 22. Mark's right. still floating around out there, yeah. Got Rachel Cusimano. I hope, hope I'm saying that right in the building. She says, "Great haircut, thank you. I appreciate that." Rachel is. It's worth mentioning. Also gave us a great review on Apple Podcasts. So if you're listening to this and you're like, "Wow, I haven't left a review on Apple Podcasts," maybe do, maybe go do that. It's really I do appreciate it, and I remember. And when you comment again, I'll bring it up. So hey, thanks, Rachel. I appreciate that. Definitely appreciate it, Rach. Okay, Austin Kloska, another another uh, you know common common commenter. Says, do we see the Saints staying at 29 or moving up for the right price? And I mean, I think this is a year where I'd really like to see the Saints stay at 29. I do not want to see them spend more to go up and get a guy who would be there at 29. If you're not going up for a quarterback or like a premium position, it's really difficult for me to sign off on that when you have already given up, given away so many assets throughout the course of the last few drafts. That said, I can see it happening. I mean, it's hard. You can't bet against it, right? As much as I wouldn't like to see it. Like, for example, if, if, if Osiris Torrance, like, like we've talked about this, I think Osiris Torrance is the only first round guard. And if you want him desperately and you feel like that is a position of need and you just don't want to go into the season having to bank on Andres Pete being available for 17 games which is a bad bet and you can say man he's gonna go at 26 we need to get up to 25 fine but I I think it's way more likely that happens at 40 where you you get into day two 
and you're like, no, this guy's not going to get to us at 40, but we really want him. And maybe you trade up in the second round or from 71 into the second. Like, I think this, the day two picks are much more likely for you to see the Saints move around because the, the, the cost is less and the margin is narrower, where there's just not as many people you might be confident in. And you just want to go make sure you get a guy that you have done your due diligence on and you have a good feeling about. So to me, I think it's more likely that you stay at 29 and you make something happen in the second or third round. And my video game brain, you know, playing Madden football, I would love to see this team trade down, accumulate more picks kind of thing. Uh, maybe somebody gets desperate enough where they want to trade into that 29 spot to draft Hendon Hooker because they want that fifth-year quarterback option and might be willing to deal with you like a, I don't know, like a Seattle Seahawks, I would say, might be interested to, to you know, move up and you could get more assets out of it. But this team, we don't see them do that. If anything, they see something they want and move up to go after it. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to really obviously predict because if that scenario comes up in three weeks, the Saints are going to make their move again to get their guy. I don't doubt that at all. Yeah, and I mean, the Eagles are a good example of a team that does that all the time is trade back, accumulate more assets, and then make the picks, and they've done a really good job with it. But it doesn't always work out, right? Like, if you are trading down, and what ends up happening is you take a guy who you don't have a high grade on or you might have some question marks about because because you've already missed the guys that you did have a good grade on and you did have a lot of confidence in, then that's an, then that's something I don't like. Whereas, like, for example, the Giants – you know, you could have looked at that trade after the draft when they traded down with the Bears. The Bears went and got Justin Fields, and the Giants got a future first-round pick and then drafted a guy who had a ton of talent in Kadarius Tony, right? And you're like, man, what a what a boondoggle. What, what you know, what whatever you want to say. What a what a what a haul for the Giants. And then look, two years later, Kadarius Tony is winning a Super Bowl with the Chiefs. So, you know, it doesn't always work out that way. But I would like to see the Saints be more amenable to it like especially as it pertains to like accumulating mid-round draft picks i want to see more them draft in the mid-rounds more often because they've been so good at it yeah but so they end money. up trading them away yeah they've definitely been big hits i feel like more with those later round guys those mid-round to later round guys than those first round picks so you you could argue that they might be better off accumulating more of those later assets yeah it's poppy 504 says we go on wide receiver hyatt I think it's an interesting option. I do wonder how much of it is tied to Hendon Hooker. Like if the Saints end up drafting Hendon Hooker in like the third round and then they get to the fourth round and like we do kind of want another wide receiver and this is a guy who they have a very good rapport with. I think we talked about this in a previous podcast in one of our mock drafts where the Seahawks took cj stroud at number two and then at number 12 they ended up taking jackson smith and jigba and i think what's going to happen is teams see the success that joe burrow and jamar chase have had and they start trying to do that more often is bring in that that really really effective wide receiver that has that has found so much success with that quarterback and pair them together because the speed at which Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow started playing at an all pro level as far as a duo is remarkable. And I, I can't think of another corollary of like two guys who found 
that much success in college and then immediately reproduce that in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, everybody, they brought the gritty, I feel like, to the NFL, and it still continues on, which is He's not even the gritty guy. It's just amazing how that trend just continues as well in sports. But with uh, Hyatt, I don't don't know, obviously a burner, speed guy, not fitting that mold of the contested catch want that this team has made it clear that they're looking for. But I I wouldn't be opposed to, obviously, another deep threat down the field because – they have a guy in Rashid Shahid right now, uh, but yeah, this is year two for him, so we we still don't know. Yeah, it does seem like it would be a bit redundant, just in terms of Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid. You already have two kind of rail thin speedster receivers, and yeah, I don't know how you could possibly get all three of them on the field at the same time. Which maybe that's not your concern. Maybe this is the long term development play, and you're not really worried about that right now. But from a from a fit perspective. I feel like you do need to kind of accumulate different types of receivers. And that would not be an example of this. That said, he's a very talented receiver. And if they have a good grade on him and they really like him and Tennessee is a school that they're very clearly very comfortable with from a development perspective, then yeah, I, I, I could see it happening. Yeah, we are, we are Ohio State and Tennessee alum central. Yeah, and and uh, they've lost two of their Tennessee Vols, so they need to kind of rebuild that. Yes, restock the bin. Yeah, and that's obviously Shy Tuttle and Marquez Callaway. Austin Klaska again with – I'm trying to figure out what his avatar is. Is it like a grasshopper? I believe it's a grasshopper. Maybe, maybe a cricket of some kind. Who is someone you guys hope to see breaking out this season, hoping for Peyton Turner to get his act together? I mean, so that, that I think you answered your own question. If, if, the, if the question is hope – like, if the question is, who do I hope breaks out, then, of course, it's Peyton Turner. I can't think of any other player that would even remotely fit that mold of, like, someone who has underperformed to this point in his career and can be that breakout player, right? Can, like, you can, can say can we get a, betting. Go ahead. Can we get a breakout year in health from Andrews Pete? Yeah, I don't think that that's how that works. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> plus, I wouldn't even – like, the problem with the offensive linemen is, like, what does a breakout look like? You don't notice them, you know? Like Caesar Ruiz uh, had a breakout last year, so I guess you could consider that. Yeah, Trevor true. Penning is an answer, but he didn't really play last year, and and when he played, he was good. Yeah, it's more of health for him. Obviously, you don't want the breakout. You just please stay on the field. I don't even know what I would consider a breakout from him. Is my point because he hasn't played enough for me to have an, any baseline. Like you have to yeah. have a baseline before you can break out, and he doesn't have one yet. So I want to see him develop, but I'm not going to say breakout. So when you when I when you say hope, obviously that's Peyton Turner. Yeah, got to be. I totally agree. It has right, to be if Turner. If you're asking who I expect to break out this year and who didn't really do much last year, hmm. Andrew Dowell. We talked about this on last episode. I think that as you kind of go through the linebacker room and you try to figure out who can contribute more than they have, he is a guy who should be at the top of that list. Obviously, he's going to be a primarily a special teams contributor. But barring a high-value draft pick spent at the position, he is probably your number four linebacker right now. And he's going to have to be depth somewhere unless, again, like you bring in a veteran or you bring in a draft pick that's going to sit in there. DeMarco Jackson's another example of a guy who could rotate in. But again, I don't have a baseline for him to have any idea of what his what would be a breakout. He didn't play a snap. He got He ended his season in the preseason. So I think if the question is 
who do you expect to show up this year in a way that did not happen last year, despite them being on the roster all season long? That would be Andrew Dell. I'm going to go Maybe. with Malcolm Roach just because of that hmm. defensive tackle position is kind of lacking right now. We got some new pieces. Yes, they brought in in free agency, but Malcolm's a guy we know who's been around entering year four with the team and could be in line for just more snaps, more production, and interested to see what he's able to do with that commitment now even more from the team. And you know is a guy that has that heart for the black and gold, which is huge as well. Yeah, my only my only issue with that one is I, I feel like he had a solid year. Like, yeah. So I'm not sure what a breakout would be for him. A sack in that you in that <laughs> yeah, a couple sacks, right? In that you know he's going to be kind of behind Colin Saunders and Nathan Shepard in that rotation. So you know, maybe I think it's a good it's a good pick. But I'm just again, I'm not sure what a breakout would be exactly. Yeah, um, I know what you mean. But, but I do think that he has to contribute more this year than he did last year for sure. <laughs> Here's Austin again. Speaking of training camp, I wonder what Emmanuel Butler is up to. That's a good question. I, I believe it's the CFL, right? I don't. Is it? Yeah, I think he's the Canadian Football League. I never heard from him in the uh, the XFL or uh, any of the other leagues, but I, I thought I remembered him going up to Canada and playing ball. But man, that you, yeah, exactly. You talk about training camp. He was airline drive Pro Bowl ready. Yeah, he's a guy who I, I do feel he doesn't have a Wikipedia page. <laughs> oh no! I, I I can't even like I Google him. There's nothing. He's like fell off the face of the earth. I hope he's okay. He's enigma. I do. I, I that was one of the first training camps I went out to when, when I started covering the Saints, and I you know I, I didn't go to all the practices, but I do remember everyone went nuts about him, <laughs> and he looked real good. He just never. I think they brought him back for this for the next training camp, but he didn't make it through it. And he is really a fascinating. Uh, Example of you know the pre preseason hype train getting a little out of control. Um, yeah, my but. my very my very first training camp and my first interview with a player was actually Double A Adrian Arrington, another wide receiver name. Yeah, you, it's like what happened to that guy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But I mean, like Emmanuel is a special, special case because not only did he not make the roster or make the practice squad, where is he? Where'd he go? Yeah, I just went to, I'm guessing, yeah, it's one Butler, his Instagram page. And there's there's no like 55 weeks ago was his last post. It's, it's like him shirtless in the desert. <laughs> yeah, so I see him. He has like a CFL page. Oh, Okay. He, it says he has three receptions for 30 yards. Oof. But, like, it doesn't say a team. It doesn't say anything. I don't understand it. Where did he go? Yeah, anyway. a, little bit, a little bit odd when you saw, like, you know, the Very USFL and, and XFL leagues popping up, and we've heard nothing from exactly. him. There's plenty of opportunity at this point. Right. Like, there's more opportunity than ever for yeah. a player who can't make the NFL to be able to at least showcase his abilities on TV. And... He just, you know, I, you have to wonder if, you know, he went to Northern Arizona. He's from Arizona. You have to wonder if, you know, there's a mental element to this of like, 
did he want to do the work? Did he want to be an NFL player? And the the answer, it might sound obvious, but it's not a yes for everybody. Sometimes it's like, it's a lot of work. It's a big commitment. Kiko Alonso, this year, he signed with the Saints for like one day. He went to one training camp practice. And- he said, forget this. <laughs> well, and, and and everyone was like, oh, he must have been hurt. Like his, his health must have been bad. He's like, no, he sat in one meeting and he was like, I can't commit to this. This is too much. Yeah, and I, he I just, can't do this anymore. And and like that's that's a thing that happens, right? Like that's not that's not unique to Kiko. Like the willingness to do the work is a much bigger element of making it in the NFL than I think a lot of people realize. No, that's a great point. Yeah, that it's not just you show up. <laughs> Maybe some guys, some, some people do are, show up. Right, there are some, like like a guy like Jadavian Clowney. I've always felt <laughs> like he can just show up and be a effective NFL player, but. He's a guy who had the natural ability to be a Hall of Fame player. And instead, he's like a fringe pro bowler, yeah. right? Like that kid could have rolled out of bed and and been a double-digit sack guy. Instead, he's just a guy that is floating around from team to team to team because I don't think he's willing to do the work. And anyway. But you know what? Because that talent is there is why he still gets a job. That's what's crazy. Well, right, right. Like he is that talented, and that's kind of that's why it's kind of wild. Clarence Matthews, we can go best player available in the first round and go hooker, all caps, in the second. And the green wave, I assume you mean Tajay Spears, the running back in the third. Also, Steve, I love your hat. What's going on with that hat? Is it a Super Bowl hat? Yeah, that's the old Super Super Bowl hat. Nice. Found that one today and put it on. Nice. Still clean. Yeah, not doing too bad. That's my problem. Fit. Like I mentioned, I sweat a lot when I have a white hat like that over the course of years. Like if I, if I went into my closet and I brought out like some of my old golf hats, you would just have this kind of like wavy, like <laughs> discolored line from the sweat. That definitely happens during training camp. That, there's Why another... I wear black hats. Yes. Probably noticed this. I wear a lot of dark colored hats. There's a reason. But no, yeah, I, I, I agree with this to some extent of like, I think you were definitely going best player available in the first round. I think you're also going best player available in the second round. Like what you say here is they could go hooker in the second round. He might be the best player available, right? I don't think you're saying, okay, best player available, then quarterback, then running back. Like that's not how the Saints are going to approach this. But, you know, like they they might really like Hendon Hooker and go after him. You know, um, maybe later on in the draft, I wouldn't say third round, but uh, the two-lane linebacker for sure could be a guy that, this team needs for depth as well as obviously, you know, the hype around Tajay Spears has been great, but um, you know, the, the, the linebacker spot, something we've, we've talked about too, which would be really interesting. Dorian Williams is, uh, is the, the two lane linebacker that you were referencing. Um, one thing that we didn't talk about in the last week's episode, which we should have, because we talked so much about the top 30 visits is, so you get 30 of them, obviously as the name suggests. One caveat that is re- that is relevant, especially if you are someone who's hoping the Saints might draft Tajay Spears or Dorian Williams, schools that are within 50 miles of an NFL facility can visit without it counting toward the top 30 visit limit, right? So any two-lane player can go and visit the Saints without that. So like it's only like if they haven't visited them already for a private workout, it's almost inevitable that they will because it would just be a waste of an opportunity not to. But you might not see their name crop up in so and so has scheduled a top 30 visit with the Saints because it's not it doesn't have to be official. The only other school that's on the fringe of that 
and I and I do need to figure out how they do this is southeastern Louisiana. And okay. It may not matter because they are there's not a lot of NFL players coming out of southeastern. But so if you if you did like a like a Google Maps directions from the Saints facility to southeastern Louisiana, it's 53 miles. So it's technically outside of it. But if you look at the map, it's only 53 miles because there's a giant lake in between the Saints <laughs> and Southeastern. And if you took a helicopter ride there, it's under 50 miles. So I have to, I do, I am curious how they establish the mileage. Is it mileage by car or is it just like just straight line distance? Well, since it's involving the Saints, it says 53, it's out of range, no good. I just think it's funny because like most, you know, I don't, I don't know if they thought were thinking about the, the Lake Pontra train when they were coming up with this 50 mile limit, but it is interesting either way. They have a locals day workout where they can, they have everyone come in. It's basically a pro day. So it's not really, I don't think it's ever going to be an issue, but it's just kind of a funny thing. But yeah, all that said, if, if you were like freaking out because Tajay Spears isn't on this list of top 30 visits, keep in mind, he doesn't have to be. Right, because it's like, oh, man, they need a running back. What are they doing? Yeah. That's a good little nugget, though, because I had no idea about that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting for, like, certain teams. Like, if you are really close to, like, these big-time colleges, you get a that's an inherent advantage. But LSU is not in that. And it almost makes you wonder, like, maybe that's part of the reason that they haven't drafted many LSU players because if they were within 50 miles and you had them come – like, all of them come in for private workouts, like Jaquel and Roy – the saints are having come in this year, but you have to wonder if like maybe in previous years, if they could have just had them without having to worry about that, that they would have got more. Robert Campbell says Jalen will not be there in the fourth round. I'm not sure who he's referring to Jalen who? Oh, Hyatt Jalen. Hyatt. Okay. He spelled it. it. It's spelled slightly differently. That's why I couldn't figure it out. It's J L J A L I N. But that's what he's talking about. Yeah, it's it, that's fair. He might not be, but who knows? There's so much variability with the wide receivers. Austin yeah. says, yes, it is a grasshopper. And try and trying to figure out. I mean, I think we can get maybe a sort of good idea of what could be around at pick twenty nine, maybe. But yeah, guessing what's going to be around in the fourth round is is you know quote unquote crapshooter. Anybody's guess you could say. There's just no way you, you might be able to to guess luck and be lucky kind of thing. But man. Uh, the draft is just so tough, obviously, too, because we can't even factor in trades that are going to go on on draft night. Yeah, and I also think the f- from getting from the third to the fourth round is is particularly difficult to gauge because of all the comp picks. And I think what happens when a team gets one or two comp picks in the third round is it's almost like a free swing, right? Like it's like this wasn't even your pick. You just so, got it. Right. And so it's like if if you were kind of questioning it with your real third round pick, maybe it's like, ah, why not? What, what's the worst that happens? Let's go for it. And so you might see some guys picked there that might be ahead of where they might be going. Otherwise, anyway, I think that's that's definitely something to think about when you get into those comp picks at the end of the third round. I don't know if it's DADA. Maybe he's a big Dennis Allen fan, but I think it's more Data Saints number one. Dada? I don't know. Uh, he says. He agrees with me. The Saints it, it wants to see the Saints stay at number 29 and let the board shape itself out. I really just want to see the Saints start collecting future assets. Like I'm so tired of operating at a deficit every year. And, you know, like I'm I'm very vocal that I don't have an issue with how the Saints operate from a cap perspective. I like the way they do it. I think they maximize their resources 
in a way that is unique and helpful in terms of staying competitive. But what that doesn't marry with, and this is the part that I think when you're going to criticize it, this is where you could actually make some ground, is if you're going to act that way, if you're going to prioritize it that way, you need value players, value contracts in these third, fourth, fifth round picks to fill out your roster so that you're not constantly having to go in for these kind of middle contracts in free agency to fill gaps. And that's where you haven't been drafting players. You've been trading them every year. And I just want to see them come out with like two or three extra fourth round picks in the next couple drafts so that when you're going into the draft, you already have it. You don't have to worry about it. And and that's where, where if you're constantly trading up, those are the picks that you're giving away. And I think that that's where I lose it a little bit is you have to pick one of those things. You can't constantly be taking dead money hits and then also be sacrificing your ability to have got players on rookie contracts. So I agree that I think I'd like to see them stay put in the first round. To me, like I, I said earlier, I would love the idea of, you know, moving down a little to accumulate maybe even more of those draft assets, but I, I can't even think of a time this team has honestly ever done that, Jeff. What, stay put? To move down. To Oh, yeah, they haven't done it since like 2007. I, I, there's like a crazy, like they have not. They they just, it's just not how they operate. And I think this, it's just, this team very much values its own analysis. And when it, when it lands on a player that it wants to draft, they would much rather go get that player than settle for someone that they're not confident in. And I, and I appreciate that. I think it's the way you should go about drafting, but there is a limit, right? Like it, there is a point where just getting more darts up on the board, like you can say it's, you don't want to throw darts, but if you know that you're going to hit the board and it's just a question of what you hit, then, then the dart throwing method is not an issue it's only an issue if like the you can't even see it. If you close your eyes and throw a dart at the board, then yeah, that's a bad idea. But if you can see the board and you're aiming for a bullseye and maybe you hit a you hit an 18, then yeah, throwing an extra dart helped you. Anyway, it, I think that the, the the approach needs to be slightly different. I just think the inevitable is going to be though they end up trading up. <laughs> no, that's that's what I'm hoping Mickey's listening to this podcast even though I know he's not. <sighs> All right. Randy Savage, Macho Man Randy Savage here. Yeah. I kind of mixed Randy Savage with Kermit there. Uh, O line, D line, keep Carr clean, and he will produce with what they already have and put opposing quarterbacks on their heels. Let's go, Houdat. Yeah, I I think when you look at the Saints, that is very much a a clear trend that they built through the lines in the draft, right? You look at look at where the first round picks have gone. Look, if you look at the first round picks currently on the roster, a vast majority of them are on the offensive and defensive lines. Heavy investments, yeah, in the trenches, obviously. Right. Marcus Davenport left. He was a first-round pick. Cam Jordan, Peyton Turner. Is there another one? No, because Marcus left. And the defensive tackles are all new. So Cam Jordan, Peyton Turner, Andres Pete, Trevor Penning, Ryan Ramchek, Cesar Ruiz, right? So that's eight of them. Or 10 10 linemen on a field at any given time. Eight of them are first-round picks. And one of them is Eric McCoy, who was a second-round pick, but he was your first pick of that draft. So effectively the same principle so <laughs> you know uh it's it's i'm gonna it's a, hit you with now quick quiz how many were senior bowl well all of the defensive linemen were except for malcolm roach <laughs> i don't know about so eric mccoy was penning was penning was caesar ruiz i don't believe was i'm not sure about pete pete i don't think so anyway most of them um, all right, a couple more, and then we'll move on. 
and uh, close this out. Uh, one more from Austin, who's, like I said, always active. This little grasshopper just chirping away. Oh, that reminds me. I've seen a lot of college running backs visit the Saints. I think that's very telling. It's a pretty good class. It is a good class. That's why Steve having them pick Bijan Robinson in the first round is absolute nonsense. Yeah. The question isn't going to be whether they look at a running backs. It's going to be where they value running backs in this class. And I think fourth round, fifth round is where you're going to start to see it. Maybe third round if you really fall in love with a guy. It's where you took Alvin Kamara, right? I think he traded up early in the third round to get him. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's really just a question of who they who they really like. I think Kendry Miller at a TCU is really interesting. He's a guy they've had in for a top 30 visit. You're going to go from there. Dwayne McBride at UAB. I'm sure the Saints got a lot of good looks at him. Obviously, he's playing in the Gulf South. They've had every opportunity to go watch him play. They played LSU this year. He did get shut down by LSU, but he, they, they were obviously, if they wanted to go see him, they could. So I think he's intriguing. I don't think he's getting as much pre-draft buzz as uh, probably deserves. Yeah, I blame the whole draft, the sim, draft simulation for giving me uh, Bijan with that number twenty nine pick. I couldn't pass up on. You had no you know say what? in the matter. I, I still wouldn't. I still would pick him. I think. I, I Steve doesn't I, make his own decision. I, I just don't like the rest of my picks after him. Honestly, Steve is blaming Pro Football Focus. <laughs> Who now I can't even access the rest of their their simulation. If Pro Football Focus jumped off a bridge, would you do it, Steve? What they said, Jeff. Good stuff. All right. I think we've run through most of these questions. If we missed you, I apologize. Um, I think we got we got we got most of them. We got a couple congratulations in there. I say we, I mean me. Thank you for that. I do appreciate it. Yeah, Jeff, uh, yeah. Mr. Lucky can call him the last, I guess he's he's been on a heater, as yeah. they say. I won our bracket. I won a drawing at work for a nice little chunk of change. And you're getting married. And I upgraded my hotel room in Las Vegas. <laughs> hey, oh, that's always a bonus too. Yeah, they saw me coming miles away. They sent me an email this morning like, you should upgrade your room for X amount of dollars per night. And I was like, okay. oh, yeah. yeah, good stuff. Absolutely, right. man. Do it. Enjoy it to the fullest. Yeah. Everything. I can't remember the last time I had a week off from work, and I will not be working. Just keep that laptop at home. No, I'm going to take it with me. I, I can't. I, I, I was thinking about that. Like, I physically cannot not have a laptop with me. It's not even about, like, working. It's just about, like, what if I need to do something on the laptop? All right. If you do that, your soon-to-be bride will probably kill you. She'll have her own laptop. Are you kidding me? She's the one who's more likely to work. She'll, she's way more likely to work on this vacation than I am. So, yeah. Just, yeah. Don't be the guy that, that does that. And I, I wouldn't expect you to. Obviously. But she actually has an important job. <laughs> so like, it's hard for me to be mad about it. I literally just talk about sport. If I was like, Oh God, I have to do this. She's like, really do you? <laughs> What's the worst that happened? <laughs> anyway, all right. let's, everywhere. let's wrap this thing up before both computers, computers actually get encased in blocks of ice. This is inside black and gold. Thanks everyone for hopping in. We haven't been able to do one of these live chats in a while, so I'm glad we were able to get one in today. All right, y'all. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure to do that. And thanks for listening. As always, y'all are the best. Peace. Later.